Today's program was brought to you by Virgola, a unique oyster bar and Italian wine bar founded in New York City. For more information, visit virgolanyc.com. I'm Erica Wise, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, where dining and dating collide, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today is Monday, January 25th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34 straight and single. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasional bartender, and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33 Straight, and in this moment, one billion percent single. In this moment versus every other moment of the past 17 weeks of the show. Shut your mouth, all right? <laughs> uh, in a little bit. Well, you always change it up every week. I'm always looking at you to see, like, how single are you this week? And that's what you choose every week. It's always, it's always interesting. You keep it fun, Ben. I'm trying to keep it fresh. In a little bit, we're going to, be, we're going to welcome pastry chef Paulette to the show. She's insanely talented and an incredibly authentic human being. And she actually helped encourage our Why We Didn't Work series into becoming a thing. Oh, she's the one to blame. She is, right. for the past two weeks of torture <laughs> and woe. Um, so we're going to bring her on a little bit. But first, uh, a couple of things. We have a new sponsor for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Virgola, the Italian wine and crudo and oyster and cheese uh, and charcuterie bar that we love so much, uh, is our sponsor for the next couple of weeks. So we're totally psyched about them. We're actually going to head there after the show for some more Prosecco and some oysters and some of that scallop crudo. Oh, I love the scallop crudo. And I'm not like typically like a big, you know, white wine or bubbly wine drinker, but the Prosecco it's and the good. white wine, it's just, it's... It's the Virgula Prosecco. It's his own bottle and he's got a Spumante Rosé as well. And it's, yeah, the, and the, that scallop crudo, it's got like grapefruit and little pea shoots on it and it's, it just sends me over the moon. So we're very excited. Thank you, Virgula, for being our sponsor. And then our theme song, the Who Cover You Better You Bet by Robbie Gill. Robbie's got a show coming up we should talk about, Ben. This Sunday night. Sunday? Saturday. Saturday? Saturday, oh. the 30th. You wrote Sunday. I wrote Sunday. Oh, no. Well, I already bought my tickets. And I know it's Saturday. <laughs> okay. So Saturday night, the Saturday 30th night. at Rockwood Music Hall. 8 p.m. I'm, I'm definitely going to be there Did you as get your well. ticket? I don't know. You should get, get your ticket because they do sell out. So get your ticket. Go to rockwoodmusichall.com and get your ticket for it. And People out there. He puts on just a killer show. A he show. is, obviously, as you can hear as you tune in to us every week, he has an unbelievable voice. Ridiculous voice. Um, filled with, you know, passion and gusto and And his songs are just and, incredible. Like, he's an amazing songwriter. And the rest of his band is just phenomenal, They too. are so good. Um, you've got... Ladies, they're, they're, they're very sexy. The most of them are, are not single, but they're very sexy to watch. And gentlemen, they might steal your girlfriend, but <laughs> if they weren't, if they weren't not single, yeah. they would steal your girlfriend. Um, but yeah, they're yeah. just phenomenal, phenomenal musicians that put on a highly entertaining, yes, and uh, emotionally stimulating, 
evening of music. Yeah. So check out, uh, go to rockwoodmusichall.com if you want to join. We'll be there, so come hang out with us. Um, and so the last two weeks, we had very um, hard, beautiful, interesting shows about why we didn't work our series, asking our exes a few questions about our relationship. And so one week, Ben had a therapist on, Vienna Farin from Mindful Marriage Family. My, I always get it wrong because it's a long name. Mindful marriage and family and therapy. Family th- oh, I was oh, I was right. Okay, and family therapy. And then I had Diana Gasparoni of Be Her Now on. And last week for my session, Ben did offer his insight, insights as to his. Mine would take the entire show, so <laughs> so we just wrote our responses to the entire experience on our website. They went up this morning at lovebitesradio.com a little bit about the project and both Ben and I did separate takeaways about what we learned. So we're not going to talk about them right now, can, but... Can we move to like a lighter note? Because yes. I feel like we've just had our heads exactly. shoved so far up our own asses exactly. the last couple of weeks so that today it would just feels be really nice good. We've got like... Paulette coming on, but we're going to talk about a light... First, actually, one thing I didn't mention to you, Ben, I wanted to mention something about the food world, so I'm a food writer. Today, I was supposed to have an interview this morning and a date after the show the date rescheduled because of the snow but this guy normally i'd be like i don't know tonight well because he's a freelance artist as well and so he wasn't able i don't think to get into a studio no the snow like just because of the snow over the weekend he couldn't work over the weekend uh, okay but i get the vibe from this dude i'm gonna call him the paper maker um where'd you he, meet him okay cupid okay always uh he's a beautiful artist with paper it's really really incredible uh, so we were supposed to go out but i do feel like it's a legit like he, he texted me yesterday as a freelancer, I get it. So that was fine. But I had an interview this morning that got canceled because of the snow. And granted, we were supposed to do a walking tour of something. But I just want to say, and I'm going to keep this brief, as a freelance writer, it's really hard when you don't get paid for anything other than the work you turn in. And so anything including email correspondence, all the programs you use, all the time you take to pitch articles, all the time you take to schedule them, that all has to go into your fee as a writer. So basically, if I make, I'm just throwing a number out there, this is not true, but if I make $100, that $100 isn't for the 500 words I write. It's for everything that goes into making those 500 words possible. So when a publicist or whoever is doing the correspondence makes it really hard and takes a lot more correspondence and goes back and forth and doesn't answer emails and schedules and cancels, that all makes it really affects your bottom line. Like if I get, I went to Brooklyn once to meet with a chef that I was told I had to go to Brooklyn to meet who wasn't there, who Mm. had gotten locations confused, who was in Manhattan. We couldn't reschedule. We ended up doing over the phone. I lost four hours. That basically means I don't make a hundred dollars in that piece. Now I make 20. So I just want to put that rant out there because you're it feeling happens. it right now. I am. Well, I'm it feeling happens. It off. I'm feeling your it's really right now. hard to make off. a living as a freelance writer in the food field. There are so many sites out there. There are so many people who want to be writers, and it takes a long time to invest in your craft and to be good at your business to make a living, to scrape by with a living, that it's really frustrating when people make it hard for you. I should make it easy for a publicist to do their job. I should make it easy for a chef to be involved in a piece. And they should make it easy for me to make that happen. So out of the two things that got rescheduled today, that one definitely grinds my gears and frosts my cookies more than this guy, the, the paper maker. Anyway, well, I just I hear threw that, that on and you. And thank you for sharing that. I totally just threw that at you. I forgot to tell you I wanted to talk about that because it's a food world thing that I just want to say. So the lighter thing we were going to talk about, though, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> with now we've got like five minutes to talk about it. Boring first dates because you and I have both had boring first dates the past uh, couple weeks. God, mine was just horrendous. Yeah. So what was the most annoying, boring thing about it? The fact that I could not get a 
the most smallest minuscule dollop of excitement about anything to come <laughs> forth from this woman's yeah. energy. I had the like, problem. Yeah, the problem with the guy, and I assume she's a nice person, right? Of sweetheart. Very, yeah, this guy, very nice guy, nice people. So it, it has nothing to do with like your soul as a person. Well, I mean, no, sorry, your goodness as a person. No, or... absolutely not. In fact, like she might have been like kind of like too good because I, I was actually talking to her. and I was like, "Don't you hate that? Didn't you? Aren't you the one that said that the no, next no, no, person no. who tells you you're too good, you're going to throw from a building?" No, 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 no. no. I, it's not I, that she was. No, no, no. It's not that she was too good. That was a turnoff. Mm. It was that like her goodness to me, her. Her she specifically, was good. her goodness was tied into her lack of like passion, passion for anything, uh. and so it was just like all this sweetness that was just like totally cutting her off from like being able to like yeah have an opinion gotcha. or being able to like you know be pissed off about something right. or be and that's not like so I guess it's not being too good it's just like being you know boring and detached which yeah which you and i've had this problem before that we have we think interesting lives and just and we and we just need a certain level of intrigue in order to be turned on by someone which which is i think what it comes down to so coincidentally you and i were talking about this and last week for the january 14th uh modern love column of the new york times which we've mentioned before because some of our guests have written for it Tim Boomer wrote the end of small talk, basically talking about exactly this. And the question that he postulated is, why can't we replace small talk with big talk and ask each other profound questions right from the start? Have you tried to do this before, Ben? I try to do this all the time, actually, I feel like. Or maybe I don't do it so, like, consciously um, about, like, shifting. I mean, can you give the example of that he uses of instead of... I think well, yeah, I mean, he speaks about like instead of asking someone what their job is, he asks them like what, what they're work are you passionate about? about, which is a great way of taking a resume question of what is your job. And maybe it is your job that you are most passionate about, but maybe it's not. And yeah, that's so you tried something like so that. So I've tried similar things to that. Typically, like I'll take whatever is naturally coming up in conversation and I will make an observation on it about it, about the person, about what they're saying. Um, and then I will state that observation to them and say, oh, okay, so it's kind of like you're into it for this reason, or I'll, I'll try to take a guess at like what it is that might be fueling their interest in something or the way they're speaking to me about something. And either they'll be like, yeah, I am, yeah, that, that is, and then we'll get into it that way. Or they'll say, um, no, it's not that, but it's kind of this, and then we'll talk about whatever it really is. Or they won't be interested in having that conversation at all. That's what happened to me on that date, where I, tr- I tried changing the question of, you know, so what's, I don't, I don't want to say specifically, but, you know, I tried being like, so this aspect of your job, what is the most ideal aspect of your job that way? And it came out with, it just didn't lead to intriguing conversation. And then there was a, even a gap of silence where I was like, ah, let me see what question he comes up with. I'm, I like, I wasn't going to fill the space, which is easy to do. And nothing particularly intriguing came up, came up from it. Yeah. And again, I tend to yeah. ask, like, if we're talking about, like, work or whatever, which right. I tend to, you know, can be boring if, if it's not, like, if you're, about what you're passionate right, about. If it's exactly. just, like, the day-to-day, which is not, like, typically ex- that exciting, I'll tend to ask, like, okay, so what's the dream, you yeah. know? Um, and then oftentimes it'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I Silence. think part of it is that, like, you know? we're creative people in creative fields, and we've sort of been trained to look for what has come from our imaginations or our psyches or what we've studied about other people. So part of it, I think, is probably just the kind of people we look for, and not everybody looks for that, and that's fair enough. 
But um, other things, so that the, this guy, uh, Tim, in the in the article, in the story, you know, would try to change things like, yeah, rather than ask about the job, asking what work are you passionate about instead of asking about the longest relationship, because we love to talk about past relationships on first dates sometimes, uh, he will ask, what's the most in love you've ever felt? See, and I've- he put this into practice. But the problem that he ran into, which we've sort of touched upon, is if nothing comes back. Like, And also some people might be too... Not ready. They don't want to open up so deeply on the first date. Yeah, screw them. In my like, I'm not. I don't have. To, I don't have like a you know a month of dating you to like get into like what your basic passions are. Right. You know. Well, and also like, it's like you are a very passionate person. We're both very. You know, it's yes. like you want you want to find that in somebody else, and if that's a priority for you, you might as well find out in the first date whether or not they can comfortably, vulnerably, or even just not even vulnerably, but just honestly own who they are enough to respond to a serious question. Totally. I mean, how much of a priority is that for you? It's a huge priority for me. Like, we've talked about before how, you know, especially with our um, with our show on Sarah Eckel about, you know, it's not you. Like, if you're single, there's a reason why you're single, which doesn't mean that you're not in your ideal relationship. But, like, some of us, not all of us, but some of us could be in a relationship if we wanted to be. There are definitely people who have asked me out for second dates that I didn't say yes. And maybe there's a good chance if I just wanted to be in a relationship and I wanted to concede enough things, I could probably be in a relationship. But for me, I want to be in a good relationship. And that, that is one of the things that is absolutely not, like, non-negotiable for you. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be about somebody's creativity, but I want to be able to have interesting, con- like the best memories I have of the guys I've dated have been when I've asked them completely random hypothetical questions. Like if you had three months to live, what would you do with that time? The fact that I've asked like, do as you- far as last week, it was like number three, four or three I asked him and he can't, like we, it was one of the best conversations we've ever had and it was so random and feel, I remember that and I loved that. Do you feel like that. the people you've dated have been either equally or more passionate than you? Or have you been in relationships where you've been the more passionate person? I think it's been pretty equal most of the time. It might have, like, our passions might have been differently aligned. They've been on different things, like not on the same thing. But they've been passionate about, at least if not what they do, about how about how they look at the world. They look at the world with curiosity. Yes. I think that's it, curiosity. Passionate curiosity. Yeah, or even, ju- like- or even just curiosity. A lot of people I don't think are, are really curious about why people work the way they do and why the world is the way it is. So whether it's politics or art or um, or engineering or economics, like just having curiosity, I guess that's the and having yeah. a and having for me a like strong worldview themselves, you yeah. know, like curious about how it works, and then also like taking that curiosity, an and having an opinion, and like yeah. sharing it with conviction. I'm interested to hear if listeners disagree with that. So. If you do, like, you know, we're not the only two people in the world who are single and dating. So, yeah, hit us up with with your thoughts. Please do that. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and then come back in with pastry chef Paulette. But first, we want to remind you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Love Bites Radio uh, to read up about past guests and uh, some of the inner workings about how we make the show work on loverightsradio.com. Uh, also, please shoot us a review on iTunes, and please don't forget to visit RobbieGill.com to download some more tunes that you will cherish forever. Um, and also, Virgula USA, we've got so many people to pimp here. Um, <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick break.
Spirigola is a unique oyster bar and Italian wine bar founded in New York City. They're known for their daily selection of fresh oysters and also offer a variety of crudo, caviar, and imported salumi and cheeses. Virgola features an exclusively Italian wine list, which is highlighted by their very own Virgola Prosecco and Virgola Spumante Rosé. Their original location at 28 Greenwich Avenue is set in a restored 1800s alleyway, only 6 feet wide by 60 feet long, perfect for intimate occasions and first dates. Their second location is at 111 East 7th Street in the East Village, featuring a long metal bar, room for larger groups, and celebrations. For more information, visit virgolanyc.com. Paulette is a graduate from the French Culinary Institute, where she was awarded the André Saltoner Award of Excellence. She has worked with some of the fanciest, pantsiest chefs in the country and all around the world in locations we are insanely jealous about. She's often featured on the Cooking Channel's Unique Sweets and as a judge on the Food Network's Sugar Dome, King of Cones, and Beat Bobby Flay. You can find Paulette at polycooksandeats.com and on Twitter and Instagram as polycooks. Welcome to Love Bites, my darling Paulette. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Paulette, you inspired from our martini talk, yes. <laughs> the Why We Didn't Work series, because you and I were talking about exes, and it was amazing, and I, can't, I was like, so I sort of have this idea... And you're like, you have to do it. And no, you don't ask them if they think about you. They do think about you, of course. And you sort of gave me like the ovaries to actually just be like, I'm going to do this. And I loved that about you. You have this very big, grounded and unapologetic personality that really just radiates from the first moment that I saw you. So the first question that I have for you is that where what in your life led to this, to this sort of unapologetic, this is who I am personality? Well, um, I think we come from our parents. And my parents are a hot mess. <laughs> um, my mom is a paranoid schizophrenic, and my dad was just never in my life. And uh, we grew up on welfare. We grew up very, very poor. And my mom was very physically and verbally abusive. And so my sister and I kind of, not kind of, we did absolutely, for our defense mechanisms, developed an amazing sense of humor. We were able to laugh at anything. No matter what, we will be able to laugh at it. It takes less energy, and it's easier on your body to laugh than it is to be angry and to hate. So rather than investor and hate, we just laughed at anything. So pretty much no matter what it is, we're able to laugh. Do you feel like that, like, did repression come with that too? Is it really being able to deal with and laugh at? Or do you feel like we there are some things you tamp down? We absolutely feel every single emotion that we go through. Like people say, you need to feel it. You need to be able to understand and feel the emotions you're going through with pain. I'm like, yeah, that's not... A problem because we we feel pain, we feel hurt, we feel joy, we feel happiness, we feel everything. But from it, no matter what, we're able to make a joke out of it. It's easier that way. How did that manifest? I mean, you're you're not from here. You were no. from Salt Lake City. How so? How did that sort of give you the point to point from getting to that to being a pastry chef in New York? Like, how did that sort of carry you through? Well, being raised by a paranoid schizophrenic hoarder, um, food was a luxury, and. Um, if we wanted to eat, we kind of had to manage for ourselves. So I learned how to make bread. And from the bread that I made, I made French toast. I'm like, wait a minute, really? I really like this. How old were you when that happened? I was eight. Wow. Yeah. So from that, I started making French toast. I would, we would go and like, yeah. I still can't do that. So. <laughs> I can't make, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I can't make bread either. To me, to this day, it's so therapeutic. Like if you get on my blog, you can see, like you can always kind of tell when I'm down or out or if I'm happy. Whenever I'm going through something, I'll make something whatever the mood is and it is such a therapeutic response for me like dough making dough making frosting making a batter 
if it's a pretty dough, it's a pretty dough, and it's a very therapeutic thing for me. So from that, because because my mom was a hoarder with food, we never knew what we were allowed to use. It was a really horrifying kind of experience. Like, is this chicken? Can we use this chicken? Why wouldn't gonna, Why wouldn't you be able to use the chicken? If you ever know a hoarder, they're always just, yeah. saving it for something. Just didn't know what the something was. So we never knew. Can we use this milk? Can we use this butter? Can we use this broccoli? Can we use anything? Because it was. It really was. We really did grow up in a constant state of fear of Am I doing something wrong? If you If you grow up with a parent who's schizophrenic, you never know what they're feeling and what you're. What is what you're doing is right or wrong. So you walk on eggshells. So I've walked on eggshells pretty much the first 16 years of my life. So How from did, sorry, continue. Okay. How did you shed that? Um, I so my mom threw out when I was 16. I wouldn't change a thing. Everything happens for a reason. And from that, um, I knew that I wanted to be a chef. I knew I wanted to cook for people. So uh, for me, and I was too afraid to go to college because we were so poor. I'm like, there's no way I can go to college. So I thought I'll go to, I'll nanny. Because in Utah, it's very, very glamorized. You're going to go live in a mansion. You're going to live with a family. They're going to love you. So I went and nannied. And um, then I found out after the fact that after I saved all this money, I went to culinary school, that if you grew up with a parent, specifically a single parent that was on... um, Medicaid and uh, disability, you go to college for free up until you're 23. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I did not know this. (laughs) I didn't know this was a fact. Mm. So um, I went and worked as a nanny and saved my money, went to culinary school. Fantastic. And became a chef. Uh, I knew that I wanted to cook. I loved it. It's so therapeutic for me. I, I, I mean, I love, I love, I love, I love it. I love, in fact, I'm thinking... Why didn't I bring something for you people? I suck. <laughs> we would definitely love some tasty yeah. morsels, but we don't blame you at all for not thinking we about us. We have cocktails instead. We're yeah. all good. All right. So we're a dating show. How does this, like, what's your How, dating history? What's your dating status right now? How does this? A complete mess. Um, <laughs> so um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Jacqueline and I were talking earlier. Like, one thing that tr- kind of drives me crazy with therapists is like, we'll go back to it. Like, what is it with your mom? That like, Why would you attract to this or that? I don't give a shit. Like I've made peace with my mom and who she is and what she's went through. And I give her compassion and empathy. And I can't say that I love her, but I have a love for her, but it has nothing to do with her. Um, I definitely, you know, I grew up blonde and blue eyed in a very black and Hispanic neighborhood. So I was hated from the girls and chased by the boys. And that's a really weird way to grow up. I've never grown up skinny. I've always had kind of a weight problem and it was always fluctuating. And then once I lost weight, I couldn't believe the attention I was getting from guys. It was crazy. It's like, really creepy, right? It is very yeah. creepy because I remember thinking, I'm the same yeah. fucking person I was before the weight. It's mm. it's just weird that that's the attraction, but it is what it is. And um, when, once I lost weight, I could, I mean, and, and then coming from Utah where everyone looks like me, blonde haired and uh, uh, blue eyes, and I then mean, you I, make your way into New York City where that's like a minority. Oh, my God. Total minority. I mean, everyone looks like me minus there's a bow in your hair. Like, right. That's pretty much oh. it. So when I got here, it was like the attention I got was absolutely out of control. I'm like, this is a lot of fun. Especially since I'm not Mormon. So I know how to... I mean, not that Mormons don't know how to have a good time, but <laughs> I like to have a drink and have a good time. So, so you were having a blast when you got here. I was having an absolute... I mean, I couldn't... I, the, I, 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 in fact, I was thinking about this on the way over here. I remember I was talking to a guy that we exchanged numbers when I moved out here. Was the nanny's like, so is this so and so? Is this so-and-so? nope, nope, 
I went through like five or like six names. Like, yeah, right. Clearly, you're too busy. <laughs> you were dating <laughs> like, too oh many guys. God, what is like, the what? pinnacle of having a blast here? What's like your best story? Is it? Are you You're pausing blushing. right now because She's you blushing. don't want to share it, or because you don't know what it is? There are so many. So, as a nanny, the nanny uh, job that I had, I was always a full time live in nanny. So I had a place to live and I had a car because that's usually the setup. So one night. Wait, you're talking back in Utah? The, no, New Jersey. Oh, in New nanny. Jersey. Oh, okay, yeah. so you're, you're a nanny in New right, Jersey. Gotcha. Okay. So um, I went out with a guy. I went out with. I went home with him, and then woke up. It was a Saturday, and then had like other dates that day because it was just non-stop because I was not the typical looking East Coast girl. So but you can still attribute it to your personality too a little bit because like it doesn't matter like how good looking someone is. That's true. It's also a sense of place. The year that I lived in Ohio, I was exotic because I have black yeah. hair and my father is Portuguese. But like, it with really that said, I agree, with what, I agree with what he just said. You can be absolutely... And, and, and I do think I am... And I'm not self-deprecating or whatever. I just think I am what I am. You can be regionally skinny and you can be regionally pretty. It depends on where you are. That's true. But you can be very, very pretty and you open up your mouth. You have nothing to say. Who gives a shit? Or you don't have the confidence and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got nothing to to follow up with what um, you're. uh, I do just want to tap into this regional thing real quick. Where do I go to get like the most (laughs) attention? I don't know. I didn't know it existed until I moved to Cincinnati for a year. It was so it's absurd. So it's, 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 amazing. it's true. It, it, well, where, what is the, what is the underbelly to the confidence that you gained from having to basically make your own way in the world? Like what, what do you feel your greatest vulnerability specifically with, you know, with love and relationships are like, what are you still struggling with? Uh, well, you know, I will always be a fat little girl on welfare. That's all I'm ever going to see in the mirror. Absolutely. And when it's so funny, because like to this day, like for what I do for a living is I eat desserts. I travel around the country and I eat desserts. And then I talk beautiful about desserts that you make. Beautiful too. desserts. And I make desserts. That's a pretty good life. Desserts, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty fucking awesome, to be quite <laughs> honest. So I travel around this country. I eat desserts. And then I talk about on TV. And I, when I hear people say, oh, my God, you're so skinny. I'm never, ever going to see that. I'm, I'm always just going to be a chubby girl on welfare struggling to be the pretty girl. Because I was never, I never fit into wherever, where I was. Because I grew up in a poor black Hispanic neighborhood and Tongan. Tongan? Thank you. That's what I get out here. From Tongan. the Isle of Tonga. Tonga. That's right. Oh, I don't know what that no, is. I only it. know about it because there was a wrestler named Haku <laughs> who was from the Isle of Tonga. Can you educate okay. our listeners? I he was really just a tan-skinned so man who probably Utah. wasn't. Not about him, about <laughs> So in Utah, the Mormons, you know, they want to get more Mormons and more Mormons and more Mormons. So they went to the island of Tonga and they brought all these Tongans over saying if you Which can, is where? It, the island of Tonga is just halfway between here, uh, California and Hawaii. Okay. So it's in uh, the Pacific Islands, and the um, so they got here and they become Mormons, but a lot of them also became the Church of Tonga, and there's just tons and tons of Tongans. So it was Tongans, and I mean I've seen actually Rhymes with Longans. I've, I've actually seen female. <laughs> what is Longans? It's a fruit. It's, it's a, a fruit, fruit from oh, Asia. Okay. I've right. actually seen female Tongans see their boyfriends in a car with another girl and pick that car up and toss it over. No away. way! Holy shit! I want to be a Tongan. Oh my god! So. I grew up looking like, uh, you know, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl with Tongans, Hispanics, and black. So the, I got chased a lot by boys and hated by girls. So it was a really weird thing. But to this day, I'm just going to see a poor girl, a poor little girl in welfare that's fat. Like, it's a really uh-huh. weird thing. So I make up for it with bravado and a sense of humor. So what's, what's still missing for you? Both, I mean, both, either, not both, but either in your, your love life or in your career. What are you still, what will need to happen in order for that to feel fulfilled for you? 
Um, I definitely, as I become older, and I hate that. I know it sucks. It sucks. I am time forty (gasps) three, but I am always convinced I'm about thirty three. You don't look for it. I was going to guess yeah. like 24. Okay. You're, I'm going to add I'm going to get on my knees for this <laughs> bad boy. Whoo! Whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, going to use that the, more often. The mood in the room just changed a little uh, bit. Yeah. It's kind of awesome to get older and more comfortable in your own skin because you truly do not give a shit. You have nothing to lose. Which is what you and I talked about that martini Exactly. It's like, what do you really have to lose? What do you have to lose? Ever in life, in anything. In anything. Like, you have nothing to lose. So just lay it on the table. Put it out there. Like, shit, this is how I feel about you. And? Wow. That's, it's, you described that when we were having those martinis as like, you're not afraid to just walk up to people at work parties and just talk. And I'm still, I'm still struggling with that. So what's your, so that you just, you don't struggle with that. No. And I, I, I don't think I ever have, because what do I have to lose? That's true. What do I have to lose? Coming from what I've come from, I've been, I was beaten down. I mean, I, I, I say this, but I don't want to like demonize or put my mom in a bad light, but I was put down and verbally abused for so long. What could someone else say to me that's going to put me down? Mm. You know, like, please, I've heard it all before. So from that, my sister and I really developed such a good sense of humor that no matter what you say to me, I'll be able to laugh at it. Um, the best example which is a sad example, is um, a really, really good older friend that was essentially like an uncle made a really inappropriate move on me. And once it happened, I remember, you always think you know what you would do in that, in that. You never, as a, I'm, yeah. You always I, think, you. I was, you I, was I froze. I'm like, Paulette, move, Paulette, move. Like, what is this person? What, yeah. what, what, what? And it, someone walked in the house and it stopped finally. And I ran to my sister's house and we were immediately within like a few seconds laughing about the whole situation and my brother-in-law got up and he goes he was so pissed because he clearly he wanted to go beat this guy's ass he's like, my sister go, he goes you two will laugh about anything yeah we will well and in a way that i mean is is that better or worse than holding on to the negativity of something like that which right, happens exactly. to so many women um a lot you know very often and, by people in your family and so i just feel like if you can't if there's something you, like i think and nothing is sacred, right? I right. think right. I like all types of sense of humor, no matter how dark or whatever. And I think the reason is because if you can't laugh about something, that means it still holds power exactly. over you right. in a certain yeah. way. And then, like, I also think you become your own religion. Like, if you cannot laugh at almost everything, what do you have? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, why are you that important that that's not that funny? Well, somewhat along these lines, my last question for you before we switch it up a little bit. We live in an age of politeness and political correctness. None of and, which I have. <laughs> I remember when I first met you at the, the, the Women Chefs and Restaurateurs Conference last year, which is an incredible event for anybody questioning if they're going to go. It's in like San Francisco this year. Yes. Um, so I will, not be, I will not be attending. <laughs> I'll be um, here with you. But it was amazing last year. And that's when we originally met. And your sort of rashness was the first thing that I encountered. And it was so awesome and refreshing and wonderful you're always respectful of other people, but you sort of swear like a sailor. And fuck yeah, I do. Which is which I think is delightful. Uh, and you make jokes, like you were saying, everything can be the butt of a joke. Uh, so how do you navigate, especially being somebody on television and with a blog and on Twitter and Instagram? How do you navigate that? And how well, do you? And also, how do you respond to people who might call you out on that? Who might be uncomfortable with that? And I have a third thing to add to it. How do men respond to that? Ah, interesting. All right, so I definitely have had uh, a struggle because 
with the show on Cooking Channel, um, when we first started, it was brand new. We didn't know. It was very open waters to Which go show? for. Uh, unique Sweets on the Cooking unique Channel. Unique Sweets on the Cooking Channel, people. Um, and then as we grew, it, we just finished filming our sixth season. I mean, that's a long time for a, cooking sh- for a, sh- a show about food to keep going. Um, they would get angry letters of, why is this person damning God when it comes to food? Like, it's amazing, like, how people can get sensitive about anything. So, what I've learned is if, like, and I've actually had some uh, responses to my Twitter feed of, why do you have to damn God when it comes to food? I just ignore it, because if you feed into it, you're just going to feed a fight. And um, the compliments, I also ignore, because if you feed into that, it just gets kind of worse. Um, I've definitely had a few stalker situations, so... I I think because of my mom, because of like the craziness and walking on eggshells all the time, I learned how to uh, sense people and sense what they need to be comfortable. And I can pick that up very, very easily. And I can accommodate that. I have a very accommodating personality. And if I also, though, within the first 20 or 30 seconds of meeting someone, if I don't like them, I'm done. I shut down. I have nothing for you. But if I do like that person and I feel like I need to accommodate them and make them comfortable, I have learned the skills to make that person comfortable and to want to give me more. And what that is, is asking them what are they interested in and what that is, whatever they're interested in, get more into that subject, no matter what that subject is, whatever I know, dig into that. And then because whenever you ask anyone anything that they're doing about themselves, they're so flattered and they want to keep giving you more and more and more. So it's definitely that. And... I definitely have had like, a, uh, you definitely swear a lot or you're so, what about from guys? Guys like it. Guys like it. Guys like, cause I it's like an honesty that. thing. Right. It's like, fuck yeah. I want to drink more. Let's have another whiskey. Yay. I like those kind of guys. I'm open to that uh, suggestion. <laughs> well, Paula, thank you so much for being so beautifully honest with thank, us thank you. today. Before we head out, Ben, did you come up with an award for this person? That I shared with you? I'm just, I mean, a name for it? Just like the biggest idiot on the internet. Here's the, all right, so here's the (laughs) online idiot. It takes a lot to be the biggest idiot on the internet because there are. So this is, a, this is a message I got last week on OKCupid. We'll just close off with Um, the guy doesn't have a profile picture or a profile. He just has, so his, his name, his profile name is his phone number. It's a 516 number. See what I mean? He's from Levittown, New York. He's 39. We are only a 38% match, which means he must have at least answered three questions, I guess, in OkCupid. And he messaged me, how are you, beautiful, with no punctuation or question mark. And then, I don't know, if you want sex partner, let me know, please, thanks. And that's all it was. You could just, you know what you could say, like, would be kind of an awesome response is, do I want sex partner? I'm on bed naked sweating. Yeah, I want sex partner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but I would not want to deal with the message that I got back from From that. that, Like, guys creep so much as we've talked about. Um, so he's just the, I'm sorry, what'd you call it? I already forgot. The biggest idiot, idiot. on the, the internet. The biggest idiot on the internet. I mean, the thing is, he left his phone number. Should we give him a call? <gasps> we, yeah. Could we, you please give me his number? Because the fun I would have with that. I Wait, think this we? might be a future experiment. Like, because you and I, because I asked you this, like, should, I think we should maybe call this number and find out. So maybe we will do that and report back next week about what happens when we call that number. Yeah, should we should let we do Paulette that? call Can him? Because I feel like that would be really Well, you know what? I mean, the three of us are going to Virgola right now to have Prosecco Delicious and oysters scallops. and scallops, yeah. so it might just happen. Does anyone have an app that can it? record the call? We can figure that out. We, okay, I, I yeah. think we can figure that out. All right. Okay. Stay we tuned, everyone, for that. Stay tuned. I think we're going to Virgola <laughs> and we're going to do this. Um, so thank you for listening. That is our show for today. Thank you, Paulette, so much thank for you. joining us. We love you, you so pleasure. much. You You're really a pleasure. were. I, I am a pleasure. See, you that's are. why people like me because I'm so honest. You are a pleasure. 
<laughs> Next week, we'll be joined via phone by author Sarah uh, Lisa Phillips. Sorry, not Sarah. Lisa Phillips, who Sarah introduced me to. Sarah Eckel introduced me to Lisa Phillips. She has penned the fascinating book, Unrequited Women and Romantic Obsession, that Ben and I are both reading and obsessed with, actually. Uh, so check out more about Lisa on our website. And we'll have some Valentine's Day deals from a few of our prior guests. So come back next week to find out what they are. Thanks to Paulette for joining us. Thanks to our ever-amazing engineer, Liz Smith. Thanks to our sponsor, Virgula. And our theme song is The Who's You Better You Bet by Robbie Gill. We are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. We'll be back at the same time next week at, here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Later. Later. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.